0: Well, it's great to see all this morning. Why don't you go ahead and greet those around you in the name of the Father.
1: God, I just thank you so much that you are by our side at all times, Lord. Even when we forget, when we're going through our own struggles and our own problems in life, it's easy to forget that you're right there by our side. And I just thank you again that, that you're willing to be there. And as we talk about families and marriages and these things that we, we want to be good at and we want to we wanna be able to glorify you with... Um, We just thank you that you're there with us going through that and that we can call out to you, Lord. Now, I just pray that you would encourage our hearts this morning and challenge us as we close up this series that has been so special to me, I know special to a lot of people here, Lord Jesus, um, that you'd leave us here with some excitement for how we can go about helping each other as a church, uh, grow as a married couple, grow as, as families, and grow as parents, and grandparents, Lord, so I just give these things over to you as we come before you this morning. We love you. We praise you in your name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thanks, Tim. Um, <clears throat> man, I don't know about you, but this series, Modern Family Series, um, I've been a, I was a part of helping plan it, but every single week I've come, I've been, I've been crazy convicted, and, and almost every week, I think, man, that was, that was exactly for me every single week we've come, something in the message, I, God was just speaking straight to my heart. So I hope you f- felt that same way as well. Even if you're not married or dating, there's been a lot of stuff in this series that has, has just spoken to the heart of a Christian. To be putting God first, and as that week not idolizing our kids, I loved that. Um, we love our kids, but we put God first. And uh, when, when I think of Um, living life life successfully on any level um, when it comes to involvement, a Christian's involvement in the church or non-Christians. It comes to the the word freedom. You see, I think and I hope that this uh, convicts a lot of people in this room today because I really believe that we've created a culture in the American church especially, but I've just, just felt that we've created this culture in church where we are striving for perfection, not righteousness. And I, I, I just feel that that has put an immense fear in people's hearts to come to church. This is, this is a community of people that God has placed together on purpose. God created the church. We are a community of people that is supposed to come together, but for some reason... There's something magical about the doors, right, of, of any church. This is a school building, but because we meet here for church, there's something magical about the doors that, that so many people, and I've done this so, so many times, but I'm, I'm struggling with life and I'm mad at something or I'm, I'm sinning in some way outside, but as soon as I walk through those doors, hi, hi. Does anybody feel that way? There's something magical about the doors of a church. Because in the church, in so many churches, and I feel that, I, f- I felt it here too, that when we come to church, our standard is perfection. So we get so afraid of opening up and being honest with our lives. I loved it when John, John and Cheryl Reeves were here and John said, Pray the truth about yourself. Pray the truth about yourself. And we've created this culture. Yes, I believe that in churches and as Christians, the goal is to seek to live righteous lives empowered by the Spirit to not sin, right? That doesn't mean we're not going to sin. But but that's the goal. The The problem is that we are not, and I've, I've felt like this so often, especially the last year of my life, but get this, we are not a project, we are a process, okay, I want you to get that this morning. If you write anything down from what I say this morning, right, I am not a project, I am a process. I would rather be a project. I would rather be like, like when I was in school or when somebody in school um, goes and they set out. To, to create something like a science project, or they set out to write a paper, and at the end, when they're done with this project, you have this completed, uh, this completed product, right? In its complete form, the best that it can be, here you go, the project is finished. I, I wish that I was a project, I was God's project. I wish that at the moment of salvation, God just said, boom, you are exactly the man I want you to be. You're exactly the perfect person to do everything uh, that I've called you to do. The, the problem is that I'm not a project. You're not a project. You are a process. The truth of the, fact of the matter is that you are exactly the person that God intends to do what he has called you to do. But in no way are you perfect and able to do that. I'm not able to do everything that God has called me to do. But in his spirit and in the grace of Jesus Christ, he has empowered me to do that. I want us to think about the word freedom. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing, of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. The, uh, the NIV says the renewing of your mind, that every day God renews. He, renews. he renews. He renews. He renews. He renews. Because we're a process. This is most true in my life. First when I got married, and then when I have, had kids, because I quickly realized that I, uh, I'm apologizing for the same things over and over and over again. It's like I wish, God, I, do, I wish I could just learn that lesson. I wish I could just not yell at my kids anymore or get upset with Heather for no reason. Um, bec- I wish I could learn that lesson and then move on from it.
2: She, she's nodding over there. She's agreeing with you.
0: Yeah. She was coughing. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, but she should agree with me. I, I, uh, I, um, I wish I could just learn a lesson, move on from it, but I seem to learn the same lessons over and over and over again. And it proves to me, and I, I can bet, I'm willing to bet, this is true in your life too, that God is just chipping away at me, that he's chipping away at me and my life to, to shape me, into righteousness. The truth of the matter is that I will never be perfect. I will never be perfect until the day that I see Jesus face to face. Second Corinthians three seventeen says, "Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom." Galatians five one for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. The solution, and Tim in a moment is just going to give some practical ways that you can be involved in this solution uh, here at church and why, why the church is so important. But the solution is to be honest before God. Here's the deal. Those verses that talk about slavery talk about the law versus slavery, The law was meant to... uh, The law is, in every way, good. And the idea is that the only way to be saved through the law is to obey it perfectly. Raise your hand if you've done that. I'm just kidding. Don't do it, because then you'd be a liar and then you wouldn't have done it. So, the point is that the law holds us captive to perfection. And I feel, I I really feel that a lot of churches, and even as we come here on Sunday morning, we walk through the doors and we feel this need. I know I've felt it. Just the, the first half of 2012 for me and Heather was the worst year of our life. And when we went, we shared our story a while back, and when we went and we presented to the elders what was going on in our life, and we asked for a month off. They were very gracious to give us a month off, but they were also shocked that that was the truth about what was going on in our lives. They were shocked that I was struggling with anger and that Heather was immensely depressed and our family was suffering for it and we just weren't satisfied and we weren't doing what God wanted us to do and we were restless. They were shocked by that. You know why? Because my standard for myself was totally off. It was totally... Wrong. And I had, I had become a pro at just putting on the face. Coming here every Sunday morning, leading worship, I put on the face, and it was church. It was church. That's what we do at church, right? We come, and we're happy people. We are happy people. The truth of the matter is that probably more than half of the people sitting in this room are not just happy people, right? We're not just happy people. We come here with... All of our insecurities with all of our struggles, and when it comes to the family, I come here just hoping that someone else is struggling in the same way that I'm struggling in because I feel the guilt of it. I feel the guilt that, oh my goodness, I just, I just did I just ruin my kid because of the way I yelled at him? We went through this, uh, this, this, um parenting, small group at Allen's house, every week, every week, I'd be like, ah, oh, shoot, yep, yep, oh, man, I, I gotta go backwards on that one. Ah, oh, I ruined him in that way. Mm, that's exactly what I do, and I should have done it every week. So we struggle. First John 1, 8 through 9. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's not only true at the moment of salvation, that God purifies us from all unrighteousness in His grace, but that's true every day for the rest of my life. That's what it means by working out your own salvation, is that now you get to go live the process That every day, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. He forgives. He forgives. He forgives. I've been made new. He forgives. He forgives. The problem is when we come and we are not open about the struggles in our lives and we are not ready to be a part of the community that God has created, not just serving at Easter egg hunts, not just serving here on Sunday mornings, but digging in and being a part of each other's lives and finding accountability. A place where we can openly and freely confess what is wrong with us. When we don't do that, and we have this wall up, we're essentially saying, I'm without sin. You know in your own heart you're not. But you're not taking steps to, toward fixing that. James 5.16 Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Confess, so what? So you can be prayed for by righteous people. Not perfect people, but it's other people in their own sins and insecurities that have committed to praying for you. And those prayers are powerful. But if we hold it all inside, if we are not willing to open up to this community of people, then we're just going to be stuck in our guilt, we're going to hold it in, and, and that this last verse that I'm going to read, this last verse describes the beginning of 2012 for me and Heather. Psalm 32, 1 to 5, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. You see, when we keep silent, when we hold it inside, it will rot. And we will waste away because it will be so the guilt of either sin or struggle in our lives with our families. And remember, this, is, this applies to individuals who are not married or dating or whatever. It applies to everybody. But when we're talking about families, we want you to know that we are committed. The leadership here is committed to be a place of support for the family. But If we're not willing to open up about what we struggle with in our families, it will tear away at us, and it will eat us. And so when we shared our story in front of you, first when we went to the elders and said, here's what the deal is. We're not going to hold it in anymore. This is what is going on in our lives. This is what we need. That was step number one, and there was an immense amount of freedom in that. We just felt like this, this weight was lifted up off of our, and we hadn't even done anything yet. They, haven't even, they hadn't even said, yes, you can have your month off yet. Just in saying that and getting it out there, there's an immense amount of freedom. And then when we shared it with you, it was like another weight lifted. That's what this community of people is for. And we are committed to you as an individual, and we are committed to you as family. So
1: I'm going to turn it over to Tim. That's such a great challenge, and you know, coming back from uh, what I talked about a few weeks ago, how important that is, that sharing, and I said, 21 years I held on to my struggle and didn't talk about it. 21 years, and it almost killed our marriage. It almost, you know, <laughs> ended me in some ways, uh, but holding on to those things because we don't want to talk about them can kill us, and, and so how does the church help that? How do we as a body of believers, how do we as family here play a role in helping those struggles get exposed? Once those struggles are exposed, helping them not struggle anymore or, or at least coming alongside. And that's what we want to talk about a little bit. I, I can remember the worst night of my life, the worst night of Kara's life. When we were at rock bottom uh, and all these things about our marriage had come out. I was going through my phone. We were in Colorado Springs, and I was going through my phone that night, and I couldn't find one person to call to come help us. I was seven hours away from my parents, and we were 11 hours away from Kara's parents, and I couldn't find anyone around Colorado Springs to come help us. My wife's devastated, and I didn't know what to do, uh, and I couldn't find anyone. Well, that was the role of the church, but we weren't plugged in with anyone. We didn't have a church family. I didn't have anybody to turn to. I ended up calling uh, one of Kara's, she taught at uh, Colorado Springs Christian School, and I knew she had a good friend there whose husband was a pastor. I just found her number and I called her and they came. But that's as close as we could get to church family for that support. That's wrong. That's wrong. We didn't have any support. You guys know I'm a big believer in family. I'm a big believer in friends and being able to share things with each other and open up to each other and be a part of each other's lives. It'll drive my wife crazy. I want to be with people every night. I mean, I love being with my own family, but I love being with my family with other families and other friends. My wife's not as social, and so I can't drive her crazy in that way. But that finding that balance being a part of people's lives to the point where you want to be with them you want to share with them that's the role the church plays we don't come in here as individuals that that keep to ourselves and then go about our daily lives we come in here as people who love the Lord, have that common bond and want to help each other and want to share in those struggles and want to share in the victories and, and can't wait to call each other when You need help, or you want to tell somebody about something that exciting that that has happened in your own life. And if we don't have that, there's a lot of struggles that come with it. Um, The church can offer a lot of avenues to help you with either exposing the struggles or helping you with them. Uh, And and I think, I think it was probably, what, three, four years ago, we really wanted to make... um, a big effort here at cornerstone to get small groups going again those aren't easy for churches to do many churches have tried and struggled to be able to get small groups going and getting a big percentage of your church involved in small groups and it started with a crazy love study down in kyle's basement back in their johnston house we piled in i think some nights we had over thirty people down in there uh, because we we hadn't even gotten to the point where we could separate into many different small groups we just had one big small big group, small, big group. Uh, and it was, it was powerful because it was something we'd been missing for a long time. Um, and that's so important. So we've continually stressed that, that we've got to be a part of this. We've got to have people in small groups. If you're a part of this church, we want to push you to be involved in that because that's where you can go and open up and share. I want to come back to Grant's letter uh, when he wrote this when they had just left us a few weeks ago to move to Dallas, just a section of it. Uh, and I know a few of you guys weren't here, so you missed this. But, uh, again, quick background on Grant and Ann. They came in here as, as two individuals that had just gotten married a few months earlier before they came to Cornerstone, both from Arkansas, didn't really have family around, just like Kara and I in Colorado Springs, looking for a church family. Uh, both had been from previous marriages, broken marriages, and not really uh, a lot of spiritual depth with them at that point. And this is what what Grant wrote here in this letter to Cornerstone. "The uh, The church's continued efforts to stress the importance of small groups' involvement has allowed us to not just know people, but get involved in their lives. The small groups we have been a part of have allowed us to share in praises and help carry the load of burdens of our friends. Settings like these have given people like us a chance to share our stories, our struggles, and to be real. God cannot do a work in your heart until you confess the truth about who you are and what you're struggling with. The accountability our small group had helped us confront those truths. Even though we were broken and lost when we arrived uh, at Cornerstone, God had a plan to use Cornerstone to build our marriage and our family. Just like it was for us in 2009 with the first Crazy Love small group, these groups have given newer couples an avenue to get involved these groups we are sure will continue to be a vital role in cornerstone's evolution i can't say it any better than that i mean that's that's the truth right there a couple that did not have family that did not know where to go as far as spiritual encouragement was able to get involved and share struggles and then hear struggles and to share victories and hear victories that's family so a big challenge for you guys as we talk about the role of the church is we give you an opportunity to be a part of these groups. There's, there's many different groups. There's the, the young moms group. There's men's prayer group on Friday mornings. There's a prayer group on Wednesday nights. Uh, there's life transformation groups that other guys get involved in for lunches when you're at your lunch hour for work. There's so many different things to be involved in. If you don't know what they are, you probably haven't been listening, for one. But two, just go ask somebody, because we can get you involved somewhere. But you can't just come here, be at church, and not be involved beyond Sunday morning. And I would say you can't even be involved in those groups and not share about your own lives. You can't just be sitting on the sidelines taking in what other people are talking about. You have got to share. And you cannot sit on those struggles, as Nick's talking about I don't want you to sit on it for 21 years and then miss 21 years of spiritual freedom, freedom in your marriage, freedom with your kids, freedom with your friends and your family. And that's what you miss. And again, we'll go back to what we talked about a few weeks ago. It's the hardest thing to do to talk about how you're not perfect. But it's so important. And a a church is not a people full of... I mean, it's a church its people <laughs> but we're not here to judge those struggles we're not here to look down on you because you have problems we're not here to go throw it in your face or to go tell other people about it i can't promise you that there's not people here that do that that go talk about you behind your backs or or throw some of those struggles in your face i can't promise you because every church has those people but as a whole We're here to support you through those struggles. We're here to love you through those struggles. That's family. My son, as he gets older, he can come and tell me the worst thing that he ever did, and I'm not going to love him any less. That's what family does. And so don't be afraid to open up about those things. So get involved. And that comes as, you know, and I want to read this verse. You guys can turn to Hebrews 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider how we spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. There it is, straight from the word. Let us not stop meeting together. Let's, let's get together. Let's challenge each other. Let's encourage each other to love. So we talked about the group aspect of how the church supports each other, small groups, accountability groups, mom's groups, prayer groups. Be involved in those. But there's, a, there's other ways of getting that accountability. And, and I told Kyle, I warned him that I was going to talk about our failure as friends to hold each other accountable. But one-on-one accountability in the church is so important. If you don't have another person that's able to, to call you out for something or to challenge you or to encourage you when something goes right, it's going to be a lot harder to go on that daily walk with God. And so Kyle and I have, he said we we're this morning, he just said, we're been, we've been getting spurts, and I think that's how a lot of people are. You know, you make a, an effort to be good, and you're good in spurts, and then life takes over, and then it goes away. But those times that we're good in those spurts are the best times, right? The times when Kara and I, as a married couple, are challenging each other and making an effort to make sure we're doing that are the best times. So I'd encourage you, as we the church, reach out to people. Look out for that one-on-one. It's best if it's, if it's female to female and male to male, <laughs> I'll tell you. But females, find another female that can challenge you, encourage you, and bring out the best in you, really. Males do the same thing, and it's hard for us males. A lot of times we don't want to share with each other. Sometimes we think it's cheesy or, or beyond us. I'm not that way. but <laughs> You're cheesy. I am, I am. <laughs> um, but it's so important to be able to connect with people. And it's hard when we don't have that. I want to share a couple more verses here as we're talking about that. Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27, 17. And you guys have heard this verse many times, and there's conferences built around this. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It's such a simple verse, and we've heard it many times, but it's so true. We try to sharpen each other. It's not... We talked about it in marriage. It's not trying to get, get, get. We come together and we help each other. As iron sharpens iron. Nick, Kyle, and I, we want to do that for each other. We all need that. Let's turn to another, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Another common passage. My wife told me this morning. I think it's just about marriage. Doesn't matter. (laughs) I think think it could apply to either. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. Two are better than one. Because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one man may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. What a truth. And how many of us have felt like we're just that one alone, all by ourselves? And felt overpowered. Two are better than one. Go grab somebody. We don't want to be overpowered as a church. We don't want to be overpowered as individuals in our walk. We don't want to be overpowered in our marriages or as parents. We need that support, that help. A lot of times, we still feel alone. So it's so good to have somebody in our lives that comes along and helps us with those. And lastly... I'm trying to speed this up a little bit. My wife gave me a look. Maybe similar to Heather's to Nick. (laughs) Uh, I would encourage you for the deeper issues in your life, uh, the bigger issues that are harder to deal with, that you don't know how to deal with, to find counsel. To find somebody that, that is good at talking you through those issues that you don't know how to deal with. And that may be an elder. That may be one of the leaders here in the church, um, and maybe another couple. Karen, Karen and I have said we, we know that the Lord is using our lives to, to counsel other married couples. And even last week, we, we were a part of that, and my wife said, you know, crying again, I can't do this anymore, but she didn't mean it, so don't worry about that. If you need help, we want to be able to help you. Um, Find counsel if you need counsel. Karen and I, when we were going through counseling, and the the irony of this, I talked about this a few weeks ago about the counselor in Wichita, Kansas that helped us. Three days after I spoke that message, he was killed in a car accident. We lost that person that we continued to refer couples to. And so now we're trying to find other counselors, and it's so important to find counselors who can help you. We said when we went through counseling, everyone we know should go through counseling. Christian counseling. Everyone. Whether you think you have it all together or not. Somebody who God has blessed with gifts to be able to talk you through the issues of your life and point you to the truth in a spiritual and psychological way is so important. And so don't let pride get in the way of of going through counseling. Don't let financial reasons keep you from from going through counseling, I would tell you this. If you know you need counseling and you're holding back for one of those reasons, come talk to one of us. We'll make sure it happens. We'll make sure that you get the support to get you there. We'll make sure you get the financial support to get you there. I want people to address their issues, and this is how the church supports you. So don't be afraid to go and get that counsel. Through, through whatever means. Don't, don't hold off on that. I keep on talking, but I don't think <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to. That's why there's three of us up here. And I, I do start twitching when other people are talking too long, and I can't talk, so I just need to <laughs> shut up. I'll, hold, I'll hand it over to Kyle.
2: Well, thank you. I didn't know if I was going to have any time, but I appreciate that <laughs> I was just here for the eye candy. But um, <laughs> I, I don't know if... You're like me, but this has been an awesome series. I think Nick alluded to that at the beginning. And every week, come here and be challenged, be encouraged. Uh, and, and that's important. We, we value marriage and family at Cornerstone. We do it because we know God values that. And we think it's important. And all these things we talked about this morning are of utmost importance. And, and we want to keep it on. You know, this isn't just a, a six-, seven-week uh, series where we talk about marriage and family. You know, Bob shot an email last week. Said, "Hey, we got, we got to figure out a way. Let's keep this going. Let's keep talking about this. You know, let's have a men's retreat for the for the guys here at Cornerstone where we can get together. We can challenge. We can pray. and We can encourage. We can do all these things that we've talked about. I mean, wouldn't that be an awesome idea? It is an awesome idea. Thanks, Bob. It it is. Uh, and so we want to continue to do these things. I was thinking as, as these guys were talking. Uh, about a few things they mentioned. And one, you know, this idea of freedom that we keep coming back to. There's a verse in Psalm 119 where it talks about, I walk around in freedom. I walk around in freedom because I obey your precepts. Our freedom comes, and we go back to this idea, where do we always go back to? Our freedom comes in our walk, in our relationship with God because of who Jesus is and what he's done, that's where our freedom comes. And to experience true freedom in our marriage, in our families, in our lives, is when we pursue God, when we pursue the kingdom of God, when we pursue his precepts. And so we want to kind of continue to go back to that. If I want a strong marriage and I want a strong family, where does that come from? It comes from a strong relationship with God. That's where it comes back to. Nick shared that, that uh, verse in James. Yeah, James 5.16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. And he talked about the, uh, the importance of confessing and praying. But then there's that last part of the verse. So you may be healed. We pray and we confess so we can experience the kind of healing that God has intended for us in our lives. You know, Tim spent an entire message talking about some of the experiences in his life and what God has taught him and that healing that came through it. Nick shared this morning how that time in their life, in the first half of last year, and his struggles that Nick and Heather, and they prayed, they confessed, and what has happened? That healing has take, taken place. And, and so we encourage you, whether you're single or married, wherever you are, young or old, that, that if there's struggles and there's pain and there's hurt, we, we confess, we pray, and this is where we experience healing. This is the importance of the church. This is why we're here for each other. If we want to experience that healing, if we want to experience that freedom we have, that's where it happens, and that's where it begins. The last verse, and Tim, as he talking about counseling, says this, Proverbs fifteen twenty two: plans fail for lack of counsel. Plans fail for the lack of Counsel but with many advisors, they succeed. We want strong marriages. We want strong families. I want a strong walk with God. There is wisdom in counsel. Plans succeed in counsel. If, if Tim's to have a strong marriage, I play a part in that. If Nick's to have a strong marriage, if, Mass to have, if anybody in here is to have a strong marriage, to have strong relationships, with other people, with our spouses, with our kids, it's because I play a part in it, because I have a role in it. We will succeed when we're in this together. And, and I think that's kind of the point as we talk about this whole message this morning is the church's role in all this, that's where it's at. But we come back and we, we, we dwell on the fact that for us to have strong marriages and families, it comes through a relationship, with Jesus. and We want to always point people back to the gospel. We want to always point people back to Jesus. This, This is of utmost importance, where you are in your relationship and your walk with Jesus. And he can make you whole. He can make you right. He can heal your marriage. He can give you hope and peace. Only he can offer that. If you don't know Jesus, I can give you all the wisdom and all the counsel in the world. But it won't do you one lick of good because it comes back to your relationship with Jesus. I I run a church league and thinking about what Jesus has done, not that me running a church league illustrates that at all, but, but yesterday, this is all men and they have testosterone and things get a little edgy at times. And We had our semifinals and finals and the first game was over and one particular guy was a really good player, missed seven free throws, and they lost by eight on a last second shot. After the game, the championship game's going on, I'm cleaning up, taking things over, wherever, I walk back in the room, and all of a sudden, there's a fist fight that broke out. One particular player had mentioned the seven free throws that this other particular player had missed, and so I you know, start heading that direction, hoping to get a few haymakers in myself, but, <laughs> but I get over there, and the fight's broken, one of them just leaves, walks out, and. And, and I thought about the power of, of forgiveness, not, not in, necessarily in that situation, but, but I have no power in forgiveness if I come up and I say, okay, guys, you're forgiven. It's over. It's finished. You guys are forgiven. That's not going to mean anything coming from me. Why? I played no part in that. My, my, I, they, they didn't offend me. Well, as the as person who runs the league, maybe a little. But I thought about what, what God has done through us in His Son Jesus. When Jesus walked this earth, when Jesus came to this earth and walked, you know what he did? He walked around and he forgave people of their transgressions. He forgave people of their sin. He forgave people of these things that they've done wrong in their life. And it may not have made a a lot of sense because Tim could have offended Nick and Jesus comes over, Tim, I forgive you. What's this guy talking about? But when we fail, when we sin, when we screw up, We offend that other person, but who else do we offend? We offend God. We have offended God with our sin. And like being able to step in and and forgive somebody, this is what Jesus has done for us in the cross. He has stepped in and he has forgiven us because my sin, my wrongdoing has offended God. My sin has offended God. And Jesus stepped in, in my place, and made it right. And if I want a strong relationship, if I want to walk about in freedom, if I want to have a healthy marriage and have a healthy relationship with my kids and healthy relationship with other people, I need to experience that kind of freedom. I need to experience that kind of forgiveness that comes through Jesus stepping in, in my place. I don't know where you are this morning, and I'm not going to pretend that I know, but know this, that if you want to experience that kind of freedom in your life, if you want to experience the fact that Jesus can intercede and step in between and act on my behalf, so I am no longer offensive to God, you can, you can experience that. Isn't that awesome? That's what Jesus offers us. It's what God offers us and what Jesus has done for us. And so we come back to this strong marriage Strong relationships, strong family, but it begins with my relationship with Jesus, with what God has done through his son. And this morning, as we talk and we think about these things, we're going to continue to sing, we're going to continue to worship together. The bread and the juice are going to be here to remind us that Jesus has interceded, that Jesus has stepped in. Where I have offended God, Jesus has stepped in. And acted on my behalf. Went to the cross and died for me. So as we sing and we worship together and we we remember what he's done in the bread and his body broken and his blood that was shed in the juice, let's praise and worship our living Savior. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus who has interceded, who has stepped in. I have offended God. I have wronged God, but Jesus has stepped in. Jesus has interceded. So this morning, we want to think on him. We want to worship him. We want to remember him. We thank you for his life, his death, and his resurrection. His body that was broken and his blood that was shed. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sunday school kids back in, uh, we always like to put them on display and like to show them off a little bit. I'll keep talking as we hope to bring them back in here. But I, I want to I stretch this a little bit. Uh, as the kids come back in and, and sit with their parents, I want to encourage you that maybe have uh, little older kids. Uh, what we're going to do is uh, I'll pray and then Nick and Tim will pray as well. But it, if, you know, if your kids are out of the house or whatever, and um, what I'd like you to do, or you don't have kids, is go up and just stand behind somebody that does, and behind their kids. And as we pray, you know, just put your hands on their shoulders or on their arm or something, because uh, we just want to pray over our families. We want to pray over our marriages. We want to pray over our kids. And so it's a chance for us uh, to kind of do that as a church. So here, here they come. I should name them off one by one, but I Okay, so let's do this. If you don't have kids with you or you're a little older and your kids are out, why don't you find somebody? Why don't you stand behind them as we pray?
0: As they come in, in, everybody clap for the kids so that they feel they... they, we, We know they're important. We love our kids.
1: Hello? Here's where we get to be close as family here. Let's all stand. Hold your kids. Like Kyle said, get close to your kids. Grandkids.
2: All right, I'm going to pray, and then uh, let's pray together here. God, thank you so much for this church. Thank you for this family that, that you've given us. God, we want to encourage and challenge each other. We want to be counseled. We want to know that our plans succeed, and you've given us each other, so that that might be the case. God, uh, re- remind us of the importance of our marriage. Remind us of the importance of our family. Uh, may we be focused on you and ever your son ever be present and foremost uh, in our families.
0: God, thank you for our families. Thank you for this church. God, I pray that... Uh, we would love our kids, that we would teach them um, about you and about your ways and what you want from them, God. But I pray of most importance would be you, as Kyle prayed, in the middle of our families that we wouldn't idolize our kids, that the best thing we can do for them is to love our spouse, um, God, that you would be number one. I just pray for strong marriages. I pray that uh, that this church would be a support enough to our families that we can rescue marriages before they get broken and that we can rescue families before they're um, in a pit, God. And uh, so we just lift up these families to you. I pray, I beg in your spirit, God, that you would continually remind us on a daily basis as parents to keep to keep you, God, in the middle of our marriages and in the middle of our families. We love you.
1: I'm going to close here with this last prayer. Uh, and as... As I close with this prayer, then you guys can leave. But I just want to say this last, the series, as Nick said earlier, has been awesome. (laughs) It's been so encouraging to my heart, to my families. Uh, And I was involved in camp ministry so long. Every week we'd have such a powerful week at camp. And then the end of the camp would go and you'd have that letdown, that camp letdown. I feel like this series has been so exciting and so challenging. We don't want that letdown. We want to continue it on through all those means that we talked about and through our next series. So as we we went through this process, we want to just continue it on as a church here together. Father God, just thank you again for this challenge. Marriages, families, the church. We want to give these things over to you, Lord. We are not in control of our own families, Lord. Uh, We want you to be in control. We want to step out of the way and let you help us. Uh, raise our kids the best way we can, love our our spouses the best way we can, encourage our friends, reach out to the lost, whatever it be, Lord. So we just want to humble ourselves before you today, Lord, as families here. Uh, And I just pray that you would help us take our own struggles, Lord, and help our kids with theirs. (laughs) And we just thank you for always looking out for us, for loving us. We pray that you'd You'd save our kids, Lord, and that they'd come to know you with their own relationship with you and that they'd be able to be doing this for, them, for their church uh, when they're older, Lord. And just bless us as we go throughout this week, and we love you and praise you in your name. Amen.